0: can't stop the feeling. What a great jam. Uh, this has been an awesome series. We've really had some fun throwing it back to the 80s, the 90s, and today. And uh, we want to bring you back to some of the pop culture stuff uh, from the last few years. And uh, as you saw in the Bumper video, there was a whole lot of viral videos that went viral over the last several years, right? Um, and uh, some of the that past dances that we've had, I uh, just want to bring you back to the, some of those. How can we forget the whip and nay nay? Okay, that, right? Uh, it's a great, great dance. Uh, also, we had the Harlem Shake. I don't know if you guys remember that, where one person would be doing something awkward and then the whole crowd jumps in. We had the dab. I don't know if you guys know this one. Um, it's, it's kind of still around a little bit, but the newest thing. And I don't know if you guys know this yet. What kids are doing these days is called flossing, okay? And flossing is this, I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to, I did all my dancing last Sunday, okay? So, uh, but that is the floss and it's taking over the world. Uh, Social media isn't going anywhere. Uh, Not even with Mark Zuckerberg on trial. Uh, Snapchat is big. Twitter uh, eventually Facebook and Instagram will become the MySpace of the early 2000s, okay? There will be something bigger and better in the future. Uh, some of the other crazes that were a couple years ago, remember planking, right? This is where you, <laughs> there's a couple examples here where you just lay flat as stiff as a board and then take random pictures <laughs> of you doing, <laughs> babies got in on the craze too, uh, who took part in the Ice Bucket Challenge? Ice Bucket Challenge, ALS Bucket Challenge was this awareness campaign that spread through social media where you dared your friends to dump icy buckets of water on, over their heads. More than $100 million was raised as a result of the challenge, the majority of which will go towards funding a cure for a neurodegenerative disorder. Uh, I took part in it, many of you did as well. Uh, in the news recently, Not a lot of good things, right? Um, Hollywood abuse, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, Kevin Spacey, Matt Lauer. Uh, Even worse, mass shootings, Orlando, Las Vegas, Parkland, Florida. This morning, I want us to uh, address something, focus in on something that often gets addressed in churches the complete wrong way. I want to talk about something that you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table with family or guests. I want to talk about something that we as Christians have placed as an idol, and even referencing it as an idol immediately starts to offend people. This morning, we're going to talk about politics. It's going to get weird. And I want to be real honest with you. What I'm about to share are things that I've been wrestling with and struggling through and researching the scriptures for over the past 10 years. And you may disagree, and that's okay. Here at Prodigal Church, one of our core values is diversity. And that doesn't just mean racial diversity. It means not just socioeconomic diversity. It also means diversity of opinions. Uh, It's okay. We really believe that we should be able to agree to disagree in a beautiful Christ-like way. The church has traditionally been awful at this. Uh, When you disagree, you kick out the other side and start a new church. Uh, We don't want to do that. We want to be able to uh, agree to disagree in a beautiful way. Uh, We value difference in opinion. We want to learn from the other person instead of putting fingers in our ears and not listening. And we believe that we can be still be family, even if we disagree, even with politics. Are you nervous yet? Are you nervous? What's he gonna say? There, of course, was an election in our country a year and a half ago, and this is a photo of the President of the United States, Donald Trump. Some of you in this room love our President. Now, you may not like some of his life choices of the past, but you love his policies and what he is trying to do for our country. Others of you in this room uh, do not love our president. In fact, think he's the worst president we've ever had. And you're counting down the days until he, his term is up or he's impeached. And you might even be praying for his impeachment. Some of you are conservatives. Some of you are liberals. Uh, and just so you know, you're sitting in the same church together, okay? I know that, the, that many of the conservatives in this room just assume everyone in this room is a conservative as well. They're not, okay? During the meet and greet, you just may have shaken hands with a liberal. <sighs> Some of you are getting hand sanitizer out right now. <laughs> Some of you liberals might think that all the conservatives that don't go to this church, they go to all the other churches in our city. I hate to break it to you, but our church is full of conservatives as well. Now, Republicans and Democrats, elephants and donkeys, conservatives and liberals, all trying to follow Jesus best they know how in the same church. Is it awkward yet? Some of you are tempted to walk out right now. Don't. There's more. It gets worse. Uh, I actually think that it's a really beautiful, Christ-centered thing to be in the same church and have completely different ideologies or political philosophies. I really do think that's beautiful. To disagree in a beautiful Christ-like way without demonizing the other. Uh, With Jesus, we have unity and diversity. We can choose to see what's good in people, even in disagreement, And we see this actually in Jesus' own ministry. Look at Matthew 10. Jesus has 12 disciples, 12 people that were with Jesus, picked by Jesus, who served alongside Jesus, learning from him for three and a half years together. These were the 12 people that were entrusted with the message of the gospel that would change human history. Matthew 10. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I want to draw your attention to the two names highlighted here. Jesus called Matthew, a tax collector, as well as Simon, a zealot, to be his disciples. Tax collectors were the furthest right wing in Jewish society and culture of the time. Zealots were the farthest left wing of the time. Uh, to compare them, it's not even close, but it's like Bernie Sanders and Rush Limbaugh. Okay, But that doesn't even do it justice because the hatred that zealots had for tax collectors was so vehement that, that we have ancient documents that say that they hate them more than the Romans themselves. They were betrayers of the Jewish people. They would tax people, and not only did they pay taxes to Roman government, which was uh, a no-no for the zealots, but they also charged exorbitant rates and took the profit from the Jewish people. Actually, there's lots of historical cases of zealots assassinating tax collectors. Uh, For this reason... There was hatred between these two groups of people. Yet Matthew and Simon spent three years together ministering alongside of Jesus. And to be sure, Jesus' teachings uh, would undoubtedly transform the trust that both had in their political views. And at the very least, as the reign of God took hold of their lives, the tax collector would stop cheating the people and the zealots would stop killing their enemies. Yet Jesus invited them both to follow him prior to their transformation. Their widely divergent political views were never a point of contention with Jesus. Conservative religious people often believe that their enemies are the liberals, the gay activists, the pro-choice advocates, the evolutionists, and so on. On the opposite side, liberal religious people often think that their enemies are closed-minded religious people, the rich businessman, the, the Wall Street CEO, demonizing one's enemies is part of the tit-for-tat game of the world. We as Christians aren't called to play that game. If we were thinking along the lines of the kingdom of God, we would realize that none of the people in the aforementioned lists are people who we're called to fight against, but rather we're called to fight for. They are people whom the kingdom of God's citizens are called to fight for, not against. Ephesians 6.12, this is huge. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Our struggle is not against people, humans. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Whether they are right wing or left wing, whether they are gay or straight, whether they are pro life or pro choice, liberal or conservative, Democratic or Republican, American or North Korean, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We have only one command love God, love people. These are our marching orders our enemy is clear, it is the kingdom of darkness and its ruler, not any human being or human organization. When we do this, we'll be dying for our enemies, not rejoicing over their destruction. That's the Christ's response. Our lives should look like Calvary's cross, where Jesus forgives his enemies with his last dying breath and dies for them. Our unique power and authority as Christians is not our right to vote, but, our, but it's our right, no, it's our obedience for Calvary-like love at the expense of self for the benefit of others that we love sacrificially and serve our enemies for the sake of winning them to Christ. The test is clear. Are you going to pick up your sword? Or are you going to pick up your cross? And I just want to get honest with you guys. I too am guilty of this watching the news, I'm thinking that that person or that group is the enemy. Spending time and energy hating them when I should be spending time loving them. Listen, we can have all the right views and all of the right opinions, but if we don't look like Jesus, picking up his cross, carrying it to Golgotha, giving his life away for the benefit of others at the expense of self, we're missing it. For the church to lack love is to the church to lack everything. There's no heresy could be conceivably worse. It is the worst of heresies, to lack love. And that is often what the church becomes when we prioritize an earthly kingdom over the kingdom of God. We become religious noise. I, and I want to be clear. I love America, okay? Okay? I really do think this is the greatest country on earth. There's no other place I want to live or raise my family. I know we have veterans here in our church that have served and sacrificed, and I'm so grateful. I love this country. But America is not the light of the world. Jesus is. That's not where we put our hope in trust. That's not what we put our confidence in. It's not what we put our life in. It's not what we gain our life from. We gain our life from Jesus. Paul says this, our citizenship is in heaven. You're not a citizen first primarily as an American. You're a first citizen of the kingdom of God. That is where our allegiance goes. Jesus himself declares this in John 18. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus's kingdom is different altogether. It's not about beating our enemies. It's about loving our enemies. It's not about power over others. It's about power under others. It's not about selfishness of the flesh, but the selflessness nature of the spirit. America might be one of the better versions of the kingdom of this world, but it is still a kingdom of this world. God's kingdom is very different. It is to God's kingdom where we pledge our number one allegiance. And there's so much to say about this topic and the politics of Jesus, but perhaps another sermon series for another time. But let's get really practical here. Uh, And This will be on your notes. Your input determines your output. Your input determines your output. Whatever you put in your mind will come out in your thoughts and actions. Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard it from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I was hanging out with a, a correctional officer several years ago um, who went to our church and uh, he was a correctional officer at Corcoran Federal Penitentiary. Uh, he said to me, I'm having a tough time. He said, it, it's it's such a difficult place to be positive. Even Christ like it, it's it's almost impossible." He said, "I'm in such an angry mood before I even arrive to my work." He says it's messing with my soul. So I asked him, "What do you listen to in the hour plus drive as you get before you get to your work?" And he said, well, I listen to conservative talk radio. I asked him, well, how does it make you feel? He said, angry. (laughs) Angry at politicians, angry at political parties, angry at the world. I guess it just makes me feel angry. I said, okay, try this for one week. Listen to some sermons, listen to some worship music, listen to the Bible on audio. Do that for a week, and then tell me about your disposition and your attitude inside the prison. Next week, what happened? What do you think he said? He said, I was able to be sensitive to God's spirit and able to love others and be a blessing to my coworkers and to the inmates. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, admirable, praiseworthy, think about such things. For those of you who only watch or listen to Fox News, here's, here's, your, here's your, uh, your practical application. Turn it off this week and read the Gospels. Be inspired. Uh, listen to something else that will, will uplift your soul, not confirm your already established position. Liberals are not people that you're called to hate. They're people you're called to love. And if you think that's hard, it's because it is. And if you feel this uncomfortableness in your spirit now, because they've been your enemies for so long, I just want to let you know I truly believe that's the Spirit of God working in you, compelling you towards more love, less hate, less discord. And for those of you on the other side who hate Fox News, okay, here's your Bible verse. 1 Timothy 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's right. Christians are called to pray for our president. To pray for those in power in our nation. As followers of Jesus, we should pray for Donald Trump. And in American evangelicalism, we have developed a culture that says that we're the morality police for our nation. And maybe not just our nation, but our world. And though I understand the heart of this, the negative ramifications of this mindset have just been devastating. Take, for example, January 2004. There was a documentary shown on national television exposing the tragedy of child prostitution in Cambodia and Thailand. The the report showed accurately that approximately 30,000 children are at any given time sold into sex slavery in the region, in this region, and that business is primarily financed by Western people, clients. I was a youth pastor at the time, and along with several million others, I saw this documentary and found it horrifying and gut-wrenching. There was, however, no public reaction from the evangelical church regarding this need in our world. A few days later, a few days later, I was on a, a ski retreat, a winter camp, leading 100 high school students in Lake Tahoe, and it happened to be Super Bowl weekend. And so what we did as a staff, we said, okay, the, the high school kids, they want to watch the game, and actually the youth path are want to watch the game. So, so we, like, canceled all the other activities, and, like, we set up this massive projector screen, and we all watched this Super Bowl together in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> now, it was this one. There I am with a hundred students watching this, hand, this, this halftime show, and all of a sudden, Janet Jackson's boob is right out. I'm looking around, did that, that, that just happen? And all the kids are like, fast forward it. And I'm like, no, or no, they're like, rewind it. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? The uproar of this moment was insane. This caused Christians to react. The moralistic outcry was heard around the nation for weeks. Email, radio, magazines, pulpits, a variety of other venues, individuals and congregations were urged to call their senators, boycott the stations and the products that support these stations, write letters to station managers and the FCC, and so on. And of course, Janet Jackson's behavior was crude and wrong. However... What should drive us to despair was the fact that Christians seem more upset about a breast exposed for five seconds than by 30,000 kids sold into sex slavery. That's what should drive us to despair. Uproar over Janet Jackson. Crickets for kids being sold into slavery. Slavery. Now, granted, more people watch the Super Bowl than watch the documentary on child slavery, but that's beside the point, right? If Janet Jackson had exposed her breast on TV um, during the documentary, we'd have heard a whole lot more about it than we heard about the documentary itself. We don't get to feel morally justified if we vote the right way. We're called to live the right way. That is a problem in our nation and in evangelicalism. I'm going to call Stephen and the worship band up, and we'll close with this. How do we move forward? How do we move forward? Uh, I love watching nature documentaries, stuff like that. I'm fascinated by under, underwater, the ocean, how it's so unexplored. How can we explore a place where we can't breathe or survive, the ocean? How can we go underwater? Easily, right? Scuba gear. Scuba gear is oxygen that we take into hostile area, territory. The way for us to survive underwater is to bring our environment or our atmosphere With us. This is a picture of what it looks like to be the kingdom of God in our world. How can we thrive and survive and bring about God's good rule in our world on earth as it is in heaven? We've got to bring our atmosphere with us. We're called not just to escape this earth and go to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth. I love exercise. Let me be truthful here. I love the idea (laughs) of exercise. Okay, does that make sense? For 10 years, I paid $19.95 gym membership every month and hardly went. I have a treadmill in my garage. It's packed up on the side. I've read fitness magazines. Lots of them. I got a haircut the other day, me and Dex looking through that fitness magazines. Do you know how many calories you burn thinking about exercise? (laughs) My point is this, you can know about things, you can read about things, you can actually be in love with the idea of that thing, but there's a difference between that and actually stepping into the world and doing it. So it is with love. We all love the idea of love. Nobody's got a problem with love. We all love love. Every movie, every song, nobody's going to argue with love. We love the idea. But to step out into the world, into the mess of life, into the mess of divorce and bankruptcy and loss of jobs and poverty and unforgiveness, and to step into this world to actually do it is a whole other thing. That's what we're called to. That's our politics. That's way more transformative than another platform. Jesus is our president, first and foremost. And he's not someone where you got to worry about an email scandal or a sex scandal. He's God incarnate. That's who we follow above all else vote your conscience. Praise God. Voting is great. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing that, that we have been given here in our country. But we follow Jesus. He's the light of the world. Nothing else compares. Let's pray. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you really help us to do this well. To agree to disagree in a way that actually brings life and love instead of hatred. I pray, God, that no matter where we fall on a political spectrum, that we, our loyalty and our love is to the king of kings, not to any other earthly king, not to any other platform. May the platform of Jesus inform our politics. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it your neighbor as yourself god help us to do that help us to show calvary like love in every scenario with every vote with every dollar spent with everything that we do may we be informed and shaped into the image of jesus we love you god and praise you in your name amen would you stand as we declare together that we need god we need god this song is called lord i need you and i think that we need to sing it from ourselves from the parts of who we are lord i need you i need you in this i need you to help me to prioritize what needs to get prioritized i need you to help me get out of this short certain struggle that i might have i need you to help me to love my enemies instead of hate them i need you to uh, inform my mind as i go to work may jesus be so inputted into our lives that he flows out naturally well, we need it as a nation too. We need it as a nation. Lord, we need you. And so that's our prayer too, God. We declare that we need you. And God, we pray your blessings upon our president. We pray your blessings upon our politicians. We pray your blessing upon our governors and our leaders in our city. We pray, God, that you open up the floodgates of mercy, love, and compassion and blessing upon them. We proclaim that. We want to be people of peace. We want to be people marked by your love, marked by your sacrificial love on Calvary's cross. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's declare this together.